0: All right, Winston Churchill, almost all of your plants are dead. How are you going to spin this one? The key word is almost all of my plants. That's more than one word. All right, well, you get the point. Welcome to today's process. Baseline plus found win equals process. Stand up, push forward. Let's light the lantern. How does the husband entrepreneur escape the understory while still having a marriage that not just survives, but thrives in an environment where modern business is under attack? The fog of the understory covers everything, and we are surrounded by monsters and bandits. My name is Wade Skalski, the understory lawyer, and we will face them together as we build the classic American business. Admission to the understory is free but understanding always has a price. Let's light the lantern. What is up, husband entrepreneurs? Those of you who are in the understory against your will and those of you who are in the understory on purpose, Way here, the understory lawyer. I am fired up to talk to you today. So I'm actually doing things out of order today. And that is part of the story. So normally what I do when I record the podcast is I'll record the intro and then I'll record the main part. And then that's when I sort of do all the editing. The editing is not intensive. It takes, you know, five, five minutes or less. Typically. Um, I use Troy Brassard's AV Maestro sort of protocol and, uh, that's what it makes it sound so awesome. And, uh, so anyway, so, but the last couple of days I've actually started to, for actually on accident is, uh, start to do things kind of in a different order. And for, you know, we're on episode four or 476. And there, so I basically had got kind of into a rhythm about how I always do the podcast. I mean, you're, if you're going to do a daily podcast, do 476 episodes. You have to have, you got to kind of have it down what you do. So you're not wasting a lot of time uh, experimenting. And, but it, it took the whole first 400 episodes were an experiment basically. So, uh, but now basically, so I'm trying some different stuff and I've actually discovered some things that I like, but the reason, the reason that I like it is because I've established a baseline and then I can start to have something to measure off of. So um, if you don't have a baseline for something that you're trying to accomplish, meaning you don't just commit To uh, a framework of something right then and then record your results then you you just keep kind of floundering around in the understory so i'll give you another example so i completed my first experiment of growing my my own food if you've listened to the podcast for any any time at all You've discovered that I'm into this thing where I kind of want to grow a majority of our food within three years. Now, there are a couple of different reasons for this one. I grew up on a vanity farm in North Dakota. We had like eight acres. We had chickens. We grew crops. We had like strawberry patch. We had, you know, apples in the apple trees behind the house. And so it was this, uh, it was this experience as a kid that you take for granted because you have no reference point, number one. And then number two, though, is that um, it's just kind of cool. It's just cool to be able to kind of go in your backyard, and grab a crab apple and eat it and just kind of mess around and have like a huckleberry fin kind of growing up. And I didn't really appreciate it, obviously, when I was growing up. But I look I look back at some of that time fondly now and I want to be able to provide that experience for my kids. Now, you can't is if there, there's anything that we have learned is that you can't you know, you can't recreate your own childhood for your kids because you don't live in the same world. You can't give your your kids the same advice that you your parents gave you and you can't give them advice of what your lessons were specifically because you don't live in the same world. But you can give them a process and being outside and being communing with nature and and uh seeing food grow from a seed to something that you can just pull off the the stalk and eat it uh is uh, an experience that will hold them in good stead. No matter what they decide to do, no matter if they decide to go live in one of the most urbanly dense cities in the world for the rest of their life, Tokyo, whatever, it doesn't really matter. So um, I had two little areas of my house that we were growing some food. I had the hydroponic victory garden in the garage bunker, which I was growing some vegetables and uh, and then some some spices. And then on the side of the house, I was just growing some tomatoes, some beets and some radishes. Now. So that was my first sort of foray and it is, is now concluded. We have we have consumed all of the edible food and or spices. And there was really the garden tower kind of was a fail big time because there was none of the stuff really worked very well. It started off strong and then um, it kind of fell off on the lights on the inside. I didn't want to leave the lights on all the time. And there's this thing about you can't just throw seeds in something and then grow it. It just doesn't, It just can't ignore it. That's why nature itself has so many massive amounts of of stuff that it grows because most of it doesn't make it. And out of every successful plant that you see in nature, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of ones that didn't make it. And so nature attacks the problem by volume. It just says, we're going to just throw as many iterations as we possibly can. And uh, uh, most of them are going to die, but some of them will succeed. And that's Darwinism. So, but us as humans, we don't have to do that. We can, we can create the conditions perfectly or close to perfectly if we're good at farming to make them grow. And my hydroponic victory garden in the garage bunker was an epic, almost an epic, complete failure. Now, even if nothing would have occurred from it, um, even if nothing, we wouldn't have gotten one edible thing from it. It still would have been a success because I still got sort of the mechanics part of it down. Right. But when I was looking at my hydroponic garden, I was like, oh man, it's like, there's nothing really that's working here except for there was one little area that got light all the time and the water's perfect because there's just a pump that delivers water to it constantly. And so you never have to worry about forgetting to water it because it just pulls water from the bottom and then trickles it through there every 41 minutes automatically. So I was like, oh man, but there was one little area that was getting sun all the time and that was on my little basil plant and I made sure there was two basil plants. I was like, well, I'm going to see how long then I had transferred them over at different times because I was experimenting with the, the transfer from when you were making it from a sprout to over into the tower. And then I wanted to kind of figure out how many days and all that. And so the, I, so I had two basil plants that were right kind of next to each other, but they were off by a couple of days in terms of, um, in terms of when they were put in the garden tower. And that made a difference because the, then the one that was put in there first started to wilt first and so I knew when I could harvest the second basil plant for maximum freshness, like right before I was going to start to wilt because I had one that was that started to wilt before it that I had had a couple of head, days head start in the um, in the hydroponic garden. Okay. And so I made sure that I did not let that one melt anymore. I, I brought the kids in the garage last night and I said, Hey, we're going to pick this basil plant. So I made it a big thing. And they're like, Oh, that's cool. Like the same thing that we did. I'm going to tell you about in a second with the tomato. And, uh, and so then we, we bit it, I got cut it up. I, they tasted it. And uh, that was a gigantic, monstrous success for many different reasons. One, I proved the concept that you can do a hydroponic garden and grow something. Two, I actually grew something. Three, my kids would see it grow from nothing to something. And then they were able to experience the taste of basil, fresh basil. And any food that, that you grow is always going to be more, and obviously pick at a height of freshness, is always going to be better than whatever you get in the store. Because one, I don't know if you know this, but they pick they pick varieties of seeds in stores and plants and things that do well, that they're hardy that do well to be with harvested by machines and um, that look good over time. So they're not as taste and nutrition are actually like third and fourth on the list behind, you know, hardiness and ability to be harvested automatically and then just to keep looking fresh versus what it tastes, it doesn't really matter. So if you can find a, a varietal varietal, that's wine. If you can find a, a, a type of seed that is really good for your area, just go talk to some farmers at a farmer market. They'll probably sell you some or maybe even give you some. Then you can get some of the most tasting fresh fruit and spices that you possibly can. Same with the tomatoes. Right. So I um, the tomato on the side of the house got plenty of sun, but didn't get enough water. And, but it, this giant tomato plant had enough to do two tomatoes. There's a second one on there, but we harvested the other tomato a couple of days ago, took the kids out there. They both picked it together. We cut it up. Everybody had some. And that may not, that, that may not seem like a big deal to you. You may not, you say to yourself, well, that's how are you going to feed your whole family off of one tomato plant that, that gives you one or two tomatoes and one basil plant. And the, th- the key is you're not going to feed them. You're not going to feed them off of that but you're also never going to get to a level of competence if you don't go through that process and establish a baseline. So what is the baseline? I know I can make basil and I know I can make one or two tomato plants. And so now it's like, now when I go forth and try to do it again, I'm like, all right, what I I, I review what happened. Here's the framework review, reframe, restart. I review what happened. Okay. What happened? Well, the side of the house did not have and the pots. Weren't that great. Didn't get enough water, plenty of sun, not enough water. Hydroponic garden, plenty of water. Not enough sun. So there need these things need to be tended to more. There need to be more of a. There needs to be more of a of an attention paid. Okay. So I I, t- I gave just enough attention that nature would give me a tomato and a basil plant, and that's it. I was like, all right, we got to up the attention. We got to up the focus. So that's a baseline though, and there was a win. On both sides, both my side of the house garden had a win because I got a tomato and the hydroponic garden had a win because it had a basil. Now, I could have blown both of those things off and ignored it and, and not picked the tomato and not pick the basil and just says a big failure and throwing my hands up in the air and said this doesn't work and then just give up. But then three years from now, my family's not fed. Three years from now, I don't have an independent victory garden that I can feed my family for three quarters of what I need coupled with, you know, whatever other supplies that we have in case there is a problem. Do 10 minutes of research on the fragility of the food supply. Do 10 minutes of research on how little food your grocery store actually keeps in the shelves. Anyone remember the toilet paper shortage? You remember like the gas problems when there was like one little blip? What if there's an extended blip? Then what are you going to do? Well, wait, that's never happened before. Well, I don't know. Natural disasters. There's New Orleans has no power right now. There's looting in New Orleans right now because nobody has any power. And there's no food for certain people, certain people that didn't prepare, certain people that don't have a grocery store, certain people that like I'd say 95 percent of New Orleans, 99 percent of New Orleans. There's a few people who are sitting there that have some have some food and are able to kind of ride it out, have the means to protect themselves. Now, I'm not saying you need to go all full prepper, but what I am saying is, is that it wouldn't hurt you to have a month's worth of food in the house, a way to defend it. It wouldn't hurt you to be able to say, well, maybe I'm going to learn how to grow my own food in case there is something that happens longer than a month. But I wouldn't have that ability or even the possibility of that if I just would have thrown my hands in the air and said, none of this works. But what I did was I established a baseline and I took a win. Now, the win could have been just the the win could have been, hey, I was able to get some stuff to grow and it didn't get to where I wanted to go. But I made sure that I maxed out the win that I could get. So I, I, I made sure that the one little tomato and the one little basil plant that I made sure those were good so that I could have an actual, my kids didn't care that none of the other stuff worked. They thought it was the coolest thing in the history of time. They had some basil, they had a tomato. If I would have put some mozzarella cheese, if I would have had a goat and made some goat cheese or had a, made some mozzarella cheese, we could have had a caprese, caprese salad. We were just one ingredient away from a caprese salad. So look, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because if you were a husband entrepreneur and you want to build your own business, you better start getting into the, into two things. One is establishing metrics and baselines for yourself, but two pulling wins for yourself because I am fed today. I'm fired up by what happened and that's just going to make it easier. Now, like, look, it's a little late in the growing season for a side, for the side garden, but I can still do the hydroponic garden. And I'm like, I'm going to shift it over to let's do some, let's do some, uh, some spices, spazes. Let's do some spazes and some, maybe a couple a couple little like health plants. No, I don't know anything about health plants. Like I like what do I grow that can be used as a remedy? I don't know. So I get to learn something new and grow a couple of those and grow some some spices because it doesn't really matter what time of the year it is with a hydroponic garden in your in your garage bunker. You got the water, you got the nutrients, you just got to make sure it gets the sun and the light. And you can grow it in the deadest of winter. And so if you as you proceed down the path and as you start to expand and start to grow and start to figure all this out, you can have stuff growing all year round. You can just do that with a greenhouse too. You can grow food in the winter. Just do it in a greenhouse. So just don't be so hard on yourself when things don't work. Instead of looking about all the ways that there's something wrong with you or all the ways that there's something wrong with what you're doing or all the ways that it's not going to work. Look for a way that you can pull a small win out of failure because it transforms it from a failure into just part of the process. And when you put yourself in a process, you're always winning. There's no losing in a process. There's just reframing and restarting. So today or tomorrow, I'm going to clean out the, clean out the buckets, the pails on the side, I'm gonna, um, the pots. I'm going to clean out the pots on the side of the house. I'm going to clean out the the, uh, the hydroponic victory garden. And I'm going to sit back and I'm going to look at it like, all right, now we're going to focus on the hydroponic victory garden on some, some medicinal herbs and some spices, some spazes. So what's next? But I bet you my kids will remember eating that basil. And I bet you my kids will remember eating that first tomato because it made a deal out of it. And my wife thought it was pretty cool. You can make every part of your life a process like that. Even when things aren't working the way that you want them to. Even when you look at it and it's just like wilting, wilting plants, browning, wilting plants. There's always a little, a little spry basil plant or two in there. All of your efforts are not going to work the way that you want, but you don't need them all to work the way that you want to learn the lessons to get exponential growth. As long as you're in a process. So what I want you to do is take out your ranger field journal. If you don't have a ranger field journal, take out a regular journal. If you don't have a regular journal, go get one. You're going to need one from time to time. But for right now, what I want you to do is take out your ranger keeper from the fifth, your ranger or your ranger, your unicorn trapper keeper from the fifth grade. And just simply write down Is can I pull wins out of the losses? Can I establish a baseline for metrics? And just remember there is no end If you stay in the path of understanding. All right, husband entrepreneurs, I know you want to escape the current understory that you're trapped in. I get it. I've been there. But in order to do that, you're going to need a creative clearing, a place to stand where you can make decisions in confidence and clarity. I'm not going to promise you some magical course or coach or codex but I cannot help you unless you raise your hand and say, I am over here. Subscribe to my email list at understory.news. Raise your hand and say, let's get out of here together. The podcast has the philosophy, but the daily emails have the insights. Raise your hand and say, I am over here. Let's light the lantern. Subscribe at understory.news. The path of understanding never ends, but that does not mean you cannot get to where you want to go. Subscribe to my email list at understory.news. Go like the lantern.